0: Well, good morning. All right, this morning we are finishing up our series, How to Read the Bible. I hope that it has been uh, helpful to you. Um, I've definitely enjoyed this past six weeks and this time that our church has been able to spend on this topic. Um, so today we're finally at part six. And this sermon will be not only the final sermon in the series, I think this sermon will be a little bit different than most of the sermons I've ever preached in my life. In fact, I think this will be the first sermon that I've ever preached that is primarily a reaction to a music video that I saw. (laughs) So I have a friend who sent me a music video, I don't remember, two, three months ago, like emailed me the link. And he had been sent this music video from a friend of his. So my friend is a Christian, and then his friend is not. So my friend's friend, who's not a Christian, sent him this video that I'm about to show you. And he said, um, I don't know what he said actually, but I I got the impression it was something along the lines of, like, this is how I feel about Christianity, or this is why I'm not religious like you are, or something like that. And so he sent this, this song is the way I feel about it. So my friend, so my friend's friend that's not a Christian sent that to him, and then he forwarded the video to me. So now I'm going to play it for you, and that's pretty much what we need to do, at least a clip. I won't show the whole thing, but just one verse, one chorus, and then I'll react to it after you see it. So...
1: I never worn a halo don't suppose I ever will as far as saving me goes it's a battle up a hill but I keep climbing trying fighting got a King James in the dresser and I take it out sometimes but Lord knows I ain't mad up to what's inside and they say that that's okay but i keep praying for the day that i can open up that good book and heaven don't look like it's out of reach when it feels like those apostles are giving me the gospel and not the third degree i just wanted to read Like Bible verses, and not the Bible verses, me.
0: I don't know about you, but I think that the fact that that song was recorded and released at all is kind of a big deal. Um, I think it's a huge deal. First of all, if you don't know the person who performed that song, his name's Blake Shelton, and he's definitely not a nobody. Um, I know that there might be some people in this room that have never heard of him because I was getting my teeth cleaned this week at the dentist office, and I talked to the lady, and I said she asked me about my sermon, and I I said, oh yeah, I'm going to talk about this song from Blake Shelton, and she's like, who's that? So there may be some of you here, you have no clue who that is, but um, he's a big deal in the country music world. He has had over 20 number one country hits on, you know, hit songs on country charts. He also has had influence outside of country music because he's one of the hosts of the show The Voice, which was a competitor to American Idol, I guess still is a competitor to American Idol. We watched the first, I don't know, four or five seasons, so I've been aware of Blake Shelton, you know, for a long time. He's the guy. Um... So he is known in the country music world and outside of the country music world, and then he produces this song and this video. It's a, it's, a, it's a song about the Bible. Like he released a song titled Bible Verses. I mean, Christian musicians don't even release songs about the Bible, right? And he did. And so here's the rest of the lyrics, or at least some of them. This is the next verse that comes after the part that we just played. He says, I woke up in last night's clothes, and it's whiskey on my lips, If God's looking down, I know he's really looking down on this, but I have faith that I can change. I keep praying for the day that I can open up that good book and heaven don't look like it's out of reach. And the theme of this song, and I assume what my friend's friend was trying to communicate to him when he sent him the song, is that there are times where it seems like the Bible is against us. There are times when we read this book, and in fact, the lyrics in the song say, I ain't measured up to what's inside, that we can read the book, and it makes us feel bad. It convicts us. It judges us. And so there can be times, I think, where the Bible feels like it's against us. That's the point of the song. In fact, that's why the chorus ends with the phrase, the Bible versus me, which is a genius play on words, is it not? Bible versus, Bible versus me, like I would like to shake the hand of the man that made that part up. Um... Well done, sir. But I know that there may be many uh, Christians who, when they hear this song or when they watch this video, that they have a problem with the idea behind it, that someone would think of the Bible as against them. And we would say, no, no, God is not against you, right? And his word is not against you. But I've been thinking about it, and I guess I wanted to ask the question, is that true? Is God never against us? Is, is, the, is the Bible never versus us. And so I was thinking about it and I wanted to show you from the prophecy of Micah. For those of you who've been here the past few weeks, remember four weeks ago we did the Old Testament. and We talked about the different genres of literature in the Old Testament. And I want to read to you from one of the prophets, one of the prophecies. The prophecy of Micah, and I'm not even going to read the whole prophecy of Micah. We only need to get two verses in for you you to get the point. So, So I'm just going to read the first two verses of the prophecy of Micah. Micah says this, Micah 1 verse 1 says, the word of the Lord that came to Micah, the Moreshite, what he saw regarding Samaria and Jerusalem in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So I just want to first point out, this is the word of the Lord. right? This is the Bible. This is God's word. God gave words to Micah, and that's what this is saying. Like Micah is now speaking the word of God. Now what does God's word say? What is is the prophecy here? What is the word of the Lord in this instance? It starts in verse 2. Listen, all you peoples, peoples. Pay attention, earth and everyone in it, the Lord God will be a witness against you, the Lord from His holy temple. And then it continues to go on talking about God's judgment that He's going to pour out on these nations because of their rebellion against Him. And so they are against Him, right? They are, they are against Him and He is against them. The Lord God will be a witness versus you. That's what the word of the Lord says that these people, because of their rebellion, are in a position where they are against God, and God is against them. Let me show you the 11th Psalm, Psalm 11, verses 4 through 6. It says, the Lord is in his holy temple, same phrase from Micah, the Lord's throne is in heaven. What's he doing up there? His eyes watch. He examines everyone, right? So in the song that that I had read you the lyrics from it says that if God is looking down, he's really looking down on this. And we might go, Is that what God's doing? That's how Psalms presents him. He's looking down and he is examining everyone. The Lord examines the righteous and the wicked. And then what's he do? He he hates the lover of violence. Sounds like he's against them. He will rain burning coals and sulfur on the wicked. A scorching wind will be their portion. That seems like the Bible versus me, right? Now, you might say, well, Mario, that's Old Testament. And God was real angry back then. <laughs> and like he, really, like he really chilled out by the time the New Testament came around. And I would say to you, I don't, think, I don't see it that way. Um, I believe he is as holy and as just as he ever was. And I will now read to you from the New Testament. And I think it fits along with this. So from the New Testament... Romans, this is after Jesus died on the cross and rose again. This is Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 19. It says, now we know that whatever the law says, and this little phrase right here, the law, is going to matter. Pay attention to that. It's going to matter throughout this sermon. Whatever the law says, when God gives his law, his standards, this is what you are to do, okay? Whatever God's law says speaks to those who are subject to the law. So this is important. God has given us standards by which we are to live by, right? And, and, and Blake Shelton sings, I ain't measured up to them, right? So whatever the law says, whatever God's law says, it speaks to those who are subject to the law. That would be human beings, the people who are supposed to obey God's law. So that every mouth, now this is interesting, may be shut, and the whole world may become subject to God's judgment, Ooh, well, why are we going to be subject to God's judgment? Why would our mouth be shut? What's the, what's the problem here? Look, for no one will be justified in his sight by works of the law. No one will be, and this word justified is very important. It could also be translated um, declared righteous or be acquitted, like what a jury does when they say to someone, like, not guilty. Okay? There is no one who's going to be declared not guilty. There is no one who is going to be declared to be righteous in God's sight by works of the law. What does that mean, works of the law? I think that means obeying the rules, like doing things with your life that match up with God's standards. There is not going to be a day, like on Judgment Day, there's not going to be a time where someone is declared righteous because they did the things the law requires. There's, on Judgment Day, no one's going to come up and go, okay, all the stuff that God requires, did it. And then God's going to say back, Sure enough, you did. Very impressive. I declare you to be righteous based on the way you lived your life. This verse is saying that's not going to happen to anybody. Why? No one will be justified in his sight by works of the law because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. God's law isn't the way that we can be good. It's the way that we know that we're bad. So there is a little bit of the Bible versus me even in the New Testament, right? You don't measure up and you deserve judgment right in the New Testament. So today what I want to do is I want to make the case that this country song is actually correct, but that is, it is incomplete. In other words, this song, is there is definitely truth in it, but it is not the whole story. That when the writer of the song says, that heaven feels out of reach. I say the writer of the song because I I looked it up, I don't know, a few months ago. Blake Shelton didn't write the song. Whoever wrote it wrote that heaven feels out of reach, and he's right. He says it feels that way, and it does feel that way because it's true. Heaven is absolutely out of our reach. He makes it sound like in the second verse, I'm drinking whiskey, God's looking down on me, but if I could somehow behave a little better, it would be within reach. But it feels like it's out of reach. He is correct. It is absolutely out of reach. For every single one of us in this room and every single one of us, who have, every single person who's ever existed, unless heaven reaches down to us, we do not stand a chance of ever being right with God. He got that Correct? So there is a part of the Bible, and this is where I think the song is correct, there is a part of the Bible that is, in a sense, against us. It's called the law. The law judges us to be sinners. But here's what the song doesn't make clear. The song doesn't make clear that there's another way to be right with God outside of obeying all the rules perfectly. There's another way. And this other way is talked about in the other part of the Bible, and it is known as the gospel. So we have the law and how we measure up, and then there's the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. And it's important to understand that the Bible has these two messages in it, the law and the gospel. So I want to explain to you now Galatians chapter 3 verses 6 through 14 because this particular passage written by the Apostle Paul to these, these Christians long ago addresses both of these issues. You've got just a couple of paragraphs and it talks about both the gospel and the law all together. So let me explain it to you by explaining to you Galatians chapter 3 starting in verse 6. And he starts with the gospel. So there, here we go. Verse chapter 3, chapter 3 verse 6. It says, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness then understand that those who have faith are Abraham's sons so as paul's writing to these people he brings up a character from the old testament a character that we actually talked about during old testament week 4 weeks ago remember we talked about abraham so he's saying abraham believed god abraham had a trust in god and it was credited to him for righteousness there was a righteousness that was given to him that he that god considered him to be righteous Because he believed in God, not because he obeyed every rule perfectly. In fact, the way we know that Abraham pretty much didn't have a chance at obeying every single rule perfectly is that the rules weren't even published until after Abraham's time, which is a point that's made later on in the book of Galatians. How in the world is Abraham going to take this list of rules and go, God, I'm going to do everything you require of me? God God didn't even publish that list until hundreds of years later. But there was a point before any of that where he believed God and he was credited as righteous, righteous. He had a right relationship with God because of this belief that he had rather than following rules that didn't even exist yet. At least they, were, they weren't published. They weren't written down. And then he says this, Then understand that those who have faith are Abraham's sons. That is, you can be like Abraham. The heirs of Abraham, his true sons, his spiritual sons and daughters would be the people who trust in God. That you can be one of Abraham's sons, you can be a part of the family, part of the inheritance that comes to Abraham, you can have the right relationship that Abraham had with God, not, not by being one of Abraham's physical children, being one of his great-great-great-great-great-great-great grandchildren, that would be Jewish people, but rather by having the same faith that Abraham had. So that's where, that's where he begins. So then he goes on, this is the next verse. Now the scriptures saw in advance that God would justify, there's that word again, now what does it mean to declare someone to be what? Righteous. The scripture saw in advance that God would declare righteous the Gentiles by faith and told the good news ahead of time to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. This is fantastic. So when we did uh, Old Testament week, if you remember, we talked about Abraham and we went through the whole Old Testament all in one week. So there's a lot of verses we couldn't cover. But this was actually one that we covered. Do you remember of the few verses that we actually quoted from the Bible that week? All the nations will be blessed through you. Remember when God promised that to Abraham, that there would be this blessing that would come from God to humanity and it would be not just for Abraham's great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren but even to the Gentiles, all of the other nations that don't come from Abraham. And so now he's saying the scriptures saw in advance that God would declare righteous God's people, not just Abraham's kids, but any people who trust in God like Abraham did. All the nations will be blessed through you so those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. Then he moves on to the law. Well, what about the law? Isn't that the way that I'm made right with God? Look at the very next verse. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. What? So what does that mean to rely on the works of the law? We're relying on them for what? Well, I think in context it's saying that we would be declared righteous, right? Abraham had a relationship with God where God said, you're righteous, I'm good with you. Okay, So those people who rely that they can have that kind of relationship with God by obeying God's rules and conforming to his standards, those people are under a curse. Well, why would I be under a curse just for trying to be good? And this is what he says. He says, because it is written, everyone who does not continue doing everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now, when he says it is written, that's usually a hint that he's quoting from the Old Testament, and indeed he is. I think this is from Deuteronomy. And so he's saying what the law book says is that everyone who does not continue doing everything written in the law book is cursed. So the idea that you're under a curse if you don't obey the law, basically what he's saying is if somebody comes along and says, well, I'm going to be fine because I obey the law. At least I try as best I can. And he goes, well, wait a minute. If you go back and read the book of the law, the one that you're trying to obey, it says there's a curse on you unless you obey everything in it. So this idea that like, well, I'm trying so hard, I'm trying to reach to heaven, and if I can just, I mean, you can feel this in the song. If I'm I'm drinking whiskey and I'm not measuring up to God's standards, but I keep praying for the day that I can be good enough, that maybe I could reach heaven. If I just could get better at behaving, maybe God would love me. And he would say, you're acceptable, you're good. If I could just try a little bit harder. And so I just keep climbing and I keep fighting and I keep trying to get a little more well-behaved. And this idea that like I'm at 70% compliance and maybe I can bump it up to 90% compliance one day. And, and, And Paul comes along and says, no, here's the deal. You're under a curse. Unless you're at 100% of compliance and have been so your whole life. Everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Well, who are the people who have not done everything written in the book of the law? That's everybody. Everybody's cursed. Okay, well, if everybody's cursed, then how could anybody be declared righteous? How could anybody be made right with God? Well, let's keep going. So verse 11. Now it is clear... That no one is justified, declared what? Declared righteous, right? Nobody is declared righteous. Nobody is declared innocent. Nobody is whatever. There's clear that no one is declared righteous before God by the law, right? Because the righteous will live by faith. That's a reference to Abraham, right? That before there was ever laws, he was trusting in God. Because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. The law is not I'm trusting in God. The law is I'm trusting in me to do all the things in the law. And then here's the next verse, because now we realize, well, I can't do all of the things that are in the law. Nobody does every single thing all the time and always has. And there's a curse? If you mess up even at one point? Yes, and then most of us go, yeah, I didn't mess up at one point. It's not even what I was worried about. Like, I'm, I've messed up at a thousand points. So what, what hope is there for me? And here's the next verse, Verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Good, because we all had that for sure, okay? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Well, that's fantastic. What does that mean? He has redeemed, so there's this curse that I deserve. He has taken the curse away by becoming a curse for us. He took on a curse that we deserve in our place so that we would not be cursed, when did he do that? How did he do that? Let's keep reading. Because it is written, everyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. Oh, it's a reference to the crucifixion. That when Jesus died on the cross, that's the only time he hung on a tree, right? When he was hanging on that wood, dying on the cross, he was cursed. Now again, it says, it is written, written—a reference to Deuteronomy, that back in the Old Testament when someone died a criminal's death, When someone was hung, when somebody died because they were this dirty, rotten scoundrel, they were considered to be cursed. Jesus died the death of a dirty, rotten scoundrel, and he wasn't. He was taking on a curse for the dirty, rotten scoundrels in their place. Verse 14, this is the next verse. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus. Gentiles, meaning not Abraham's kids, but just anybody in the whole world that would believe. So that we could receive the promised Spirit through faith. And if you don't know, what does that mean to receive the Spirit? I believe the word Spirit here is referring to the Holy Spirit. That's God. That's receiving God in you. Like when we talk about the Trinity, sometimes we say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is God, the Holy Spirit, living in us, the people who believe in Jesus having the Holy Spirit. This is incredible. Do you understand what kind of acceptance that means? Do you understand what kind of communication that is from God to you? The, hey, hey I'm, we're, you're good? I'm good with you? Apparently, Jesus dying on the cross and taking our curse away from us gives us the kind of forgiveness and the kind of righteousness where God is willing not just to not be mad at us anymore, not just to go, oh, it's fine, I won't crush you now. Not to just be willing to hang around with us a little bit. Not just that he would be willing to be near us, but he actually comes and lives in us. That the curse is taken in such a way that God comes and lives in you. Living in you is a very serious, like, we are good statement, right? That's incredible. So that's the gospel. That's the, okay, you could rely on the works of the law or there's faith because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross. And so I think both of these are such important things for you to understand that as you're reading your Bible, and that's the point of the series, right? How to read the Bible. As you're reading this book, I think it's important for you to know that there are two messages in it, okay? Maybe more, but there are at least two messages in it. One that's called the law and one that's called the gospel. And the Bible refers to these collections of words these concepts and it calls them the law and the good news or the law and the gospel and so you need to know that as you're reading through the bible you're going to come across sections you're going to go "Ooh, that seems like the bible versus me and then you're going to come across sections and you go whoa does god love me it seems like he does and so i just want you to understand there's there's two messages that you need to be able to see i think these categories are helpful for you as you read your bible there's the law and the gospel there's the law and the gospel. The law is the standards which convict us, the standards which judge us and condemn us. And the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ that saves us from the judgment that comes to lawbreakers. That is so good. And they're both in there for a reason. Well, the law is in there and it makes me feel bad and it judges me. That's, it's, it's in there for that reason. It's supposed to make you feel bad. It's supposed to make you realize that you need a Savior and that there is a salvation for you. And then it's not you saving yourself. It's in there for a reason. And then the gospel is the good news that Jesus saves you from the curse and the judgment that comes along with sin that you deserve. That is such good news. It is the gospel that the songwriter was looking for. Remember in the song, in the chorus of the song, he says... Well, earlier in the song, he said, I keep praying for the day, and then he says, when it feels like the apostles are giving me the gospel and not the third degree. <laughs> they did. This is it. Like, Galatians was literally written by an apostle explaining the gospel. Like, what he said, I just wish it was in there. It's totally in there, dude. Dude. The good news is you don't have to reach up to heaven. You don't have to sit around going, I just feel like I can never reach. You never are going to reach. God through Jesus has reached down to you to save you. He has taken away the curse and the judgment that you deserve. And that is true for all of the people who turn from trusting in themselves to turning toward trusting in Jesus. I heard a really great illustration of this that I'm just going to steal from another pastor, all right? A really great illustration. is a story told by David Platt. I'm just going to say it again and kind of in my own words, but he tells the story of this rich guy who bought a Rolls-Royce. And I don't know if the story is supposed to be true or false, but anyway, the, the, this rich man buys this Rolls-Royce because it was pitched to him that the Rolls-Royce is the car that never breaks down. So that's how they said, they said, this car will never break down. So you need to, yes, it's a lot of money, but you're buying the car that never breaks down. And so he's like, well, it's a lot of money, but I'm going to buy the car that never breaks down. So he does, and he buys the car, and he drives it around, and it's wonderful. And he decides to go on a vacation to Europe, and so he has the car shipped over to Europe, and then when he gets over to France, he's driving his Rolls Royce around France, and then it breaks down. The car that never breaks down broke down. So he calls up the company and said, I mean, the reason I bought this is because this is the car that never breaks down. What are you going to do? And they said, oh, we are so sorry, sir. We will take care of this. And supposedly they sent like a specialized mechanic from another country. I don't know if it was the U.S. or England or what, but they sent a, a specialized mechanic from another country, flew them to France. That guy went and located the guy, fixed the car, got it back, good as new. That guy got on a plane, flew back to his home country. So the guy continued on with his vacation. And then a few weeks went by or a few months went by and he thought, you know, I never did pay the bill for that repair, And so he thought, I'm going to, I wouldn't like to just get this behind me. So he calls up the Rolls-Royce company and says to them, like, you know, I was there in France and explains the whole story, VIN number, blah, 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 whatever his account number. And he says, I just, I think I'd like to pay this and just get it behind me. And the person on the other end of the phone says, we're sorry, sir. We have no record. There was ever a problem with your vehicle. You get it? Because the car never breaks down. Their cars don't break down. And the thing, that I, the thing that is, I think, so powerful, this is what it has to do with your life. Your life has broken down. It has. You're, you're not, it wasn't supposed to. You're supposed to do everything right. You're supposed to never break down, but you did. You broke down, and you've done things wrong. You've done things wrong lots and lots of times. You have not followed every single little thing in God's law. In fact, there are, I bet you everybody in this room knows this. Even some of you that go, I haven't even read every little thing in God's law, but I bet you I haven't done them all. Yeah, you haven't even done everything that your own conscience instructs you to do. Isn't that weird? So your life is broken down and the God of the universe sent his son Jesus to restore, to redeem, to renew your life. He took your curse for you so that you'd be as good as new. So that God the Father could then one day Look at you and say, I have no record that there was ever anything wrong with your life. That's the gospel that the songwriter seemed so desperate to hear. And we have such good news for him. Like, it's true. And so I want to close by reading to you from Galatians just one more time. I want you to see not Mario's words, but really I want you to see this is what the Bible teaches. So I'm going to read to you Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. These are some of the verses I read earlier. This time I'm going to read them from the New Living Translation because I just think it's very understandable and helpful. This is what the apostles said when they described the gospel. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse... For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says, it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, "Curses everyone who's hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And so if you trust in him, and I realize that's a big if, but if you trust in him, then Jesus saves you. And the Holy Spirit is God living in you. And because of that, it is not the Bible versus you anymore. That's good news. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the goodness of the good news. I thank you so much that there would be another way other than following everything perfectly. I I do pray for the writer of the songs. I, I think it was multiple people, in fact, and I don't remember their names. But if they don't know you, I pray that they would come to know you. I pray that they would be introduced to the Gospels through the apostles just as they longed for in the song. I pray that for Blake Shelton as well. I mean, I don't know his spiritual life, but if he doesn't know you, I pray he'd come to know you. And I pray that for the people in this room, if anybody in this room does not know you. That they would come to know you, and they would come to know you by rejecting the, I'm going to be good enough, I'm going to be good enough, he's going to be so impressed with me. And we would move toward, I am so impressed with him. He has fixed me. He has changed me. He has died for me. He has taken my judgment for me. And so I thank him and I love him and I worship him forever. I pray that you would make us into those people. I pray that you would save us by the power of the gospel. I pray you'd help us to, as we are readers of the Bible. I pray you'd help us to understand it more and more. I pray you'd help us as we read the Bible, to read the law and read the gospel and understand it, how it applies to us. That we wouldn't say, well, this verse makes me feel bad, I don't like it. Let's pray we'd see you on every page of it. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.